I don't know how it will play out in uh, November, but what we know is that we will end up with many more unemployed and uh, particularly also people in the grey economy which are not counted for, uh, who lose their jobs. So we will see definitely a lot of anger uh, already now, but probably increased by the end of the year, uh, because this crisis will be with us until we really have found a remedy. So um, we have to prepare for a more angry world. And uh, how to prepare? Uh, it means to take the necessary action to create a fairer world, um, to see that uh, we provide everybody with uh, decent access to the health system, um, that we make sure that those people uh, who are really left behind, uh, and I'm not speaking only on national levels, I'm speaking also internationally, if I see now uh, the tragedy in some of the emerging countries like South Africa, like some countries in East Asia. I think it's all, uh, I, I don't have too many remedies. The, the remedies have to be discussed through dialogue by the stakeholders of our global system. But um, I just see the need for such a dialogue and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. All right, that was the voice of... Klaus Schwab, he's got great plans for us. He's got a great reset for all of us. How will it play out? Many unemployed, lots of anger. Oh, yeah, but it won't be him. He will not be unemployed. He will not be hungry. He won't lose his job. Uh, and he won't lose his health care. He has great plans for the rest of us. And honestly, the scary thing is they're in the process of implementing them through the World Economic Forum. We're going to talk about that today, and I don't think you're going to want to miss it. Let me remind you that if you have a comment, and I bet you'll have a comment on this, uh, you can call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. And you know you can listen to this podcast on all the podcast platforms. AFR.net is our home base. AFR Talk is a great app to download so you can hear it anytime you want, or you can go to Spotify and Apple and all the other, po your favorite podcast platform, whatever that may be. Uh, I want to thank Preborn. You know, we're getting close to Mother's Day. As we do that, we think about the lives of babies. I do anyway. And I want to talk about Preborn for a second because they really do care for mothers. It's a network of clinics uh, that exist exclusively to offer love, life, and support to pregnant women. Those that are feeling scared and alone and being pressured to make the ultimate choice that will not only sacrifice the life of their preborn baby, but take a piece of their own heart. When a distressed mother comes to preborn, she is welcomed with open arms and is offered a free ultrasound to hear and see the precious life inside of her. And the majority of times, she will choose life. This Mother's Day, you can bring life to both mother in need and an at-risk baby. One ultrasound costs $28.00 the cost of about like a dinner uh, to save just the, just that, to save the life of a baby. One ultrasound, $28, $540. Every penny goes toward loving mothers and babies as well. And when you become a monthly sponsor, you will receive pictures and stories of lives you help to save. To get involved, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. So sit back. I, I'm not sure this is a relaxing show, 
but it's one that you need to know. So fasten your seatbelt. Here we go for this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. What we have to confront is a deep, systemic, and structural restructuring of our world. And this will take some time. And the world will look differently after we have gone through this transition process. Politically, the driving forces for this political transformation, of course, is the transition into a multipolar world which has a tendency to make our world much more fragmented. And for these reasons, events like this one, the G20, and so on, are the very important connectors to avoid a too great segmentation all right, Sandy Rios with you. That is the voice of Klaus Schwab. We will have a structural restructure. The world will look different. Well, he's uh, German, so he sounds German. Uh, echoes of Nazism, I think, we'll get into that. But he's the founder of the World Economic Forum. You've heard snippets, pieces, bits about them for years. I know you have, even if you don't know you have. Uh, they have had conferences to kind of plan the world and control all of us. They say, uh, you will have nothing and you will be happy. That's uh, Klaus Schwab's vision of the world. And they've gained tremendous power, not only in the world, but also in this country. We're going to make the point about this uh, and have a really interesting conversation that will help you understand, I hope, and help us to understand how we can fight back because Klaus is not God. I think he thinks he is, but he isn't. So the Great Reset is the topic today, and the person that's the expert on this is one of my good friends, Congressman Steve King. Steve was in Congress for 18 years, serving Iowa. Uh, he, got, uh, he was so steadfast and so honest, always a champion on causes, unrelenting, uh, that he became a thorn in the flesh of the Republican leadership and they really, really did a number on him, undermined him, made a scandal. He was one of the first who was destroyed by, you know, actually by the party, but uh, he was slandered. He was called a racist. It was ridiculous because he was defending Western civilization. It's as basic as that. Steve has written about that in his book, Walking Through the Fire. If you go back in the archives, you can find our conversation on this. He, it's a fascinating story. Why would you read it now? Because the leadership then is the leadership now, and some things never change. So there are some great insights. Uh, you know, he only left Congress in 2021. So uh, Walking Through the Fire is just a great book. 
So uh, he well, so he joins us this morning. Oh, by the way, I did not say this. Congressman King is a businessman, and he has a great mind. He's an intellectual, um, and I'm I'm in meetings with him all the time, and I'm amazed at the breadth of his knowledge. Still, so certainly on the World Economic Forum, he knows what he's talking about, and he's joined us today. Good morning, Steve. Well, good morning. I appreciate the introduction and. Not so much Klaus's voice this morning, but that gives a chilling effect to me. And I want to remind people, too, if they're interested in purchasing my book, Walking Through the Fire, uh, there are copies available also uh, at my website, steveking.com. And there uh, I will ship those out of here with my autograph with my own hand, usually same day, steveking.com. So I appreciate all that. And, um, you know, whatever brain God gave me, it woke me up at 2 o'clock this morning because the wheels were turning so fast I couldn't sleep anymore. And uh, so I've been uh, I've been working on these things, pulling all the information together I can, and there's a lot more out there to be pulled in. But um, it just it just finally settled into me sometime in the last six months or so. What a grave grave danger the World Economic Forum is to our the first world, and the first world is uh, it is the world that's based on the foundation of wherever the footprint of Jesus Christ laid the foundation for civilization, and it's coupled with free enterprise capitalism. God-given liberty, and uh, this operation going on in Davos and around the world, led by Klaus Schwab, is is targeting our civil civilization. They don't want us to know it, but they're taking it apart. They don't they, they don't really believe in free enterprise capitalism. They're suppressing the entrepreneurs, the the startup operations, and they're empowering the mega corporations, and they're using them to dictate to government. And when uh, when you hear Klaus Schwab say public-private partnership. Um, what he really means is we've got the money right here at Davos, our billionaire elitists, to tell the, the corporations, to tell government what to do for us to facilitate the things we want them to do. Yeah. The public-private well, partnership is well, now let, the private sector tells the public what to do. Yes, let's come back to that because I do, I, I've, obviously, that's key, and we're seeing that. We're going to talk about that. But uh, breaking this down, what is it they're trying to accomplish, Steve? You alluded to it, but if you had to break it down, make it simple, what is the World Economic Forum trying to do? Well, they want to manipulate and manage everybody on the planet and for their own purposes. They they don't believe in the power of the individual. They believe they can manage our health, what we think. Um, to get an idea on how that, how that comes together, I, I think it's important to take a look at Yuval Hafari, um, he's a doctor of Middle Eastern. Uh, he's written two books. One of them is uh, Sapiens, and the other one, I have to look and see, it is um, Homo Deus, uh, Homo Deus. And uh, he has, he's been influenced the uh, economic forum considerably. But it, he laid it out in a speech he gave in the economic forum in 2020. Uh, this, he said, essentially, he said, we've been able to manage, manipulate the, the human beings and all your activities. Uh, with the technology that we have. But now with the coming science, just managing the outside of your skin isn't enough. Now we're going to go inside. We're going to manage your brain. We're going to manage your appetite, manage your exercise. We're going to manage all of you out here. And they believe they can reach the whole planet. And that's just chilling to me. And when you look at the technology he talks about, he even goes so far as saying, well, if you've got a watch on or a Fitbit 
Um, then that can be transmitting your blood pressure, your pulse rate. They'll already know your thoughts because they've got you. Uh, artificial intelligence is tapping into your uh, wherever you search on the Internet. The, uh, the boss will know when you're standing there listening to the boss on whether you like what he's saying or not, and you will be promoted or demoted according to those measurements. I mean, yeah. that's just, it's, uh, I, I don't know if I have a word for that, what they're seeking to do, but it's the ultimate of arrogance. It's the ultimate of of, um, of utopian arrogance, I think, is a, a pretty good way to at least lay the framework on top of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. Yeah, so, all right, let's, uh, we'll probably come back to that, too. I mean, there's so much with this, as we both know. <laughs> but let's talk about, for a second, who's involved. Now, they've been meeting at Davos for a number of years, and actually it was kind of uh, interesting, kind of fun. They'd have these lectures, and, well, fun for me as an intellectual, looking at the, well, why do I say I'm an intellectual? I guess I fancy I am, but as a thinker. And I see all these famous people coming and speaking to Davos their forum. It's been very a very interesting setting. And so who? what are the names? Who are the people involved that people would recognize or might not, but the key well, players? First off, um, we're certainly going to recognize Al Gore. I mean, he's been a permanent fixture at the World Economic Forum for uh, a couple of decades or more. And he's become, a, I don't know if he's quite a billionaire yet, but a few hundred million would surely cover what Al has made out of the other one. We know who they are and what they seek to do. We've heard plenty of them in this country, more than I care to. But there are a few others in there. And I think the lead person um, at the World Economic Forum, aside from Klaus Schwab, is George Soros. And George Soros, um, he, he runs uh, many foundations, but he's a multi-billionaire that, that invests billions of dollars in the politics in the United States. And uh, you know that it's the attorneys general as the secretaries of state. We've seen it. If it weren't for George Soros, I don't believe President Trump would be indicted right now. Um, but when I'm in my travels in Europe, and by the way, the, the Trump administration asked me to tabulate it all, so that's the only reason I really know. But I've been to 70 countries in the world, and many of those countries I dealt with the top leaders that are there. And I'm a former delegate to OSCE, uh, which is the Organization for Securities and Cooperation of Europe. That's 57 countries. There the conservatives come to me, and they say, we need help. You've got to peel George Soros off of our back. They've convinced me that he's operating in 60 different countries, and I have seen how he has flipped the government uh, in Macedonia, for example, and I believe he got the job done also in Albania, but I haven't been back to confirm. Uh, so he has a big, big footprint around the world, and it's always undermined security, undermined the rule of law, um, hardcore leftist lurch out of Soros. We've seen what he's done in this country, and it's been horrible. You know, so they George, are the two top players, can I can, I'd can I interject, Steve? I just was thinking when we 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 alluded, I think we alluded to Klaus Schwab's maybe we haven't yet uh, Nazi roots. His father uh, moved to mm. Germany during the Nazi years to head this big entity for the Nazis. Uh, so when he was a kid, they didn't move from Germany; they moved to Germany. And then I think of George Soros. He and his father cooperated with the Nazis. Uh, to turn in Jews, they were Jewish, and they turned against their own people. So there's a there's a theme here that's very dark and creepy to think that they are now in the positions that they're in. Isn't Bill Gates part of this too, though? Yes, he is. But I just want to I want to say on that to comparison that you've drawn. That is, that's a Nazi common denominator between the two. And also, I don't know about Klaus Schwab's father, but um, George Soros's father was. 
a utopianist, and he was also a one-world government. He wanted to tear down all of the borders of the world, and he wanted to institute the one single language called Esperanto. Um, that was how they were going to unify or be able to communicate worldwide. So both of these fellows come by their utopianism and their uh, totalitarianism attitude and one-world government, uh, honestly. And then, yes, um, and then, then we have Bill Gates in the middle of all of this, and he seems to be the strongest driving force on the global vaccinations and and the, um, and the medical treatment in places like India, um, his vaccines haven't worked out very well there. I'm not fresh on those numbers, but it was horrible when I read it a year or two ago. He's another utopianist, um, and, and I don't find any of them that have a core faith. Um, I would say, generally speaking, they're atheists sitting there in Davos, too. That might be a qualifier before you can land one of those 1,300 private jets that converge on there. Um, swear off of God and say, well, swear off of Jesus, I guess, because I don't hear anything come out on the has to do with that. So that's, that's uh, Bill Gates and uh, his, the Gates Foundation and the advocacy for abortion and limiting population for the world. They like to reduce this population in the world by at least 2 billion people, maybe more. There's data out there that's even worse than that, Sandy. All right, so the people are listening, and it's overwhelming it truly is overwhelming. And again, before we get into the nuts and bolts, which I want us to lay them out so that people really understand what to look for, why should people care? Isn't this like too big for the average person to get their, their brain around? Why should they be even thinking about this? You know, Sandy, I think what I'm seeing it in my neighborhoods and especially in the smaller communities across the country now, um, and I sit, I sit here and I have some, some of these same, same thoughts, I don't know if we have enough power to push back against these people at the top level. I mean, Joe Biden is a is an extension of that kind of thinking, and I think these George Sor- I think Soros calls the shots on him, and then it cascades down through the hardcore leftists in this country and their educational institutions, et cetera. So I think what we have to do is build this thing from from the ground on up, and that means one person at a time. A man and a woman joined together in holy matrimony, have a lot of babies, raise them right, teach them right, and push back up. Push back up through our educational system, through our school boards. We have to push through our churches, too, because many of them have been corrupted. There's not an institution in this country that hasn't felt the impact of this, and you're just not, you're not insulated. There's no way to avoid it. We have to fight it or be subsumed by it. And I could take you to the future side of this and where it goes, but maybe that should be for the latter part of the program, because not very optimistic. No, it isn't. World Economic Forum has a headquarters in Beijing, one in San Francisco, and then the one uh, near near Geneva in Cologne. Um, and there are easy communications there. They've got a, they gave a presence to China at the World Economic Forum, and she went there and gave a speech a few years ago. It's the first presence out of that part of the world there. So they can generate a... Um, a vaccine in Wuhan and disseminate that to the world, they've got the communication system to do it. And when they push the message out, well, this is because the, the, they're in control of the World Health Organization. They, they have a presence at the United Nations and a huge influence of the United Nations. WHO is a component of that. Huge influence of the World Health Organization, too. So the messaging that came out when we had, we had politicians in this country that were defending China and attacking President Trump for calling it a China virus, um, and the message that came out of Fauci, uh, that's, that stuff has a, has a push from the World Economic Forum. 
I'd, I'd like to actually go there sometime and disguise and just watch all the faces and people moving around there. You to, should to do that. It, but you should do that. Well, there are two two events that they before COVID ever broke out, they had these two major gaming events. One was called Clade X, and would, that was the that was May of 2018. And they simulated a national pandemic response. So they did all these exercises. But the next one was Event 201, and that was in October 2019. And, of course, we all know that COVID, the first news we had of it was in January. And they laid everything out, Congressman. You, I know you know this. Uh, they, they did. They talked about the media. They talked about uh, misinformation. Uh, they they tr- they gamed everything how to how to how to control the people and that's what that was what how many months it's like four or five months before it actually broke out there's really something and they actually pulled it off that's the scary part they pulled off their control didn't they 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 did and you know I, I think that would make a terrific movie um, to show how they game that out in the in the beginning um, two different beta tests so to speak or dry runs would be a better accurate way to say that. And then to have it come out and make their plans become according to according to their plans, and uh, I just look at some things that went out of Wuhan too. Uh, for example, they quarantined Wuhan. You couldn't go to the rest of China, but you could fly out of there and go anywhere you wanted to go. Um, and for example, in northern Italy, they um, they had such a death loss among the Italians there because of COVID. And what was going on there? Well, the Chinese had bought the the fancy leather works up there, Gucci, I believe it was. And they sent cheap labor to to uh, northern Italy because the Italians were getting a little old and tired, I guess. And uh, they transported all kinds of COVID to northern Italy, and they had a just huge death loss there because of COVID. That kind of stuff happens when you've got world communication, and that would fit with the kind of plan that they were they were gaming out in in late 2019. I, I don't think the world's seen enough of this to understand it yet. And I, it, 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 that part's that's a. That's a Bill Gates uh, model there to me, and that is chilling. And then, um, if we shift over to to Larry Fink, Larry Larry Fink is the CEO of BlackRock, which is the it's the largest investment firm in the world. It controls ten trillion dollars, and so there he sits on the board. He's I'm just elbow to elbow with Klaus Schwab, and I'll say George Soros and Al Gore and and then the global warmest that show up there, including uh, Jack, John Kerry. And then they cook up, um, just some shifts in subjects on here, and then go back to Sandy, but they cook up the carbon index and the CO2 is global warming, and they beat that drum, and eventually they convince Europe that they have to do something to control the CO2 emissions. And so Europe sets up their own carbon index. And as I'm watching this, I got a message here about a month ago that said that Maersk, the largest freight company in the world, um, they want they have 700 ships on the earth or on the oceans, and the, most of them had been burning diesel fuel. Um, they want to convert them to methanol, which is a product you can actually make the CO2, but the world doesn't quite know that yet. And they want to be able to purchase methanol to convert it because the European Union has said to them, "You're not going to be able to dock your ships and load or unload them in the European Union unless you reach our command of carbon index." that you're burning out by sea. Well, how do they get to that? Um, you know, that's, that's Jim Snabe. He's the chairman of both Siemens and Maersk, and he sits on the board at the World Economic Forum. So you get an idea on how somebody can sit there and call a shot 
and then it commands the rest of the world. And that's that's falling down into my industry or my my neighborhood here. I won't go any deeper into that one, but another one that strikes me is a um, another board member. I'll check my note here so I get his name right, but he's an American. His name is Mark Benioff, um, and he's a He's, he's the chair of the co-founder of Salesforce. It's a large uh, com- computing uh, cloud, iCloud, so to speak. But I look at this and, and uh, well, what's his background? Well, he got a nice award for being honored by GLAAD, the, the gay advocacy organization, and the Billie Jean King Leadership Initiative, um, et cetera. That's not so chilling, but he's also the fellow who originated the idea of it's, it's 1T.org. That's a trillion trees. Uh, so he's pushing the idea that we should plant a trillion trees around the globe, and that's going to help with the global warming. Now, that doesn't mean much unless that came to you. And I remember sitting in the Republican conference one day, um, it would have been when Paul Ryan was still the speaker, and they set up a presentation of a trillion trees. And their argument was, you know, we're going to do something smarter and better than the Democrats with capturing all of this greenhouse gas. We're going to go forth and build it and plant a trillion trees. And uh, so then members started to get up saying, you're not going to do that on my farm ground. And uh, and the initiative died. But I didn't realize until the other day that was just a brainchild of one of the board members of the World Economic Forum. They have that much power that they can rocket shoot something like that right down into the United States Congress and I had never heard a word of it before they did that whole presentation that day. I haven't heard much sense either, by the way. But I, well, I, I just see this uh, time after time, Sandy. You know, that brings to me to a different, I mean, we're that takes me to a different place because uh, the, the, Klaus Schwab bragged about how much control he has of various nations. And as a matter of fact, let's just listen to this clip because I will let him say it. And then I'm going to ask you about Paul Ryan because I've never thought about that he might have a connection, but that might explain a lot of things. Maybe he doesn't. But I'm not saying he does, because how do I know? But let's listen to Klaus Schwab brag about the control they're getting over various nations. This is clip two. Um, when I mention our names, like this Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin, and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. But... Um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Pres- of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, rece- at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy form. And that's true in Argentina? Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm-hmm. I'm here with the president who is a young global leader. Yes, uh, so he's happy about that. And that's not a new clip. So I'm sure that he's made much more progress since that clip was made. Uh, who do we know for sure? is maybe in government and involved with the World Economic Forum? I know that's a hard question. I mean, how would you know? But there are people that we have identified with them, haven't they? They've gone to be guests. They had a, a meeting recently, and a lot of pe- uh, Republicans were there uh, at the World Economic Forum, as I recall. Do you remember any names, Congressman? Oh, um, yes. I'm thinking I remember a name or two of that. Um, let's see. I shouldn't draw, should draw a blank on his name. Paul Crenshaw, Dan Crenshaw. 
I remember seeing that in the news, and I haven't looked that up since uh, since January when it came through. Yeah, yes. Just to emphasize, do you remember, do you remember that one? Yes, I do. I remember that. I re- Dan Crenshaw, well, that gives us an idea. And I also always uh, am concerned, and I've said this on the air, so I'll say it again. I'm very concerned about Tulsi Gabbard, who's like becoming the sweetheart of the conservative movement, because Tulsi was one of the young, young leaders. So that concerns me. And um, they are penetrating. So why wouldn't we think we need to be concerned? I don't know, but some people seem to bury that. Um, but the point the point is they have they've made tremendous inroads. And do you know anything about was anything else that Paul Ryan uh, suggested or anything he's involved in now that would make you think that he's uh, sort of in sync with world economic forum policies, if not directly involved? Well, how about open borders? That would be one of those. Um, yes. I mean, I argued immigration with Paul Ryan continually. When before he ascended up the leadership path very far, uh, we both had to stand on the floor and uh, take our arguments to the microphone and speak to leadership. And whenever the immigration topic was up, I would wait for Paul to step into the line. I'd step in behind him so that I could rebut him. And we did that several times. I always had a good relationship with him, but I saw things go that way. That how can you be for open borders and believe in America? And uh, what you know, what would possess a fellow who is the Speaker of the House? to do a conference call with all of the Republicans, 200 and some Republicans, um, that's a two and a half weeks before the 2016 election, and tell us all, I'm not going to defend Donald Trump, I'm not going to appear with him, I'm not going to campaign for him or advocate for him. Let's, and you all make up your own decision. It's every man's for every man for himself. But I'm not going to support this candidate for president. And here he is supposed to hold a majority together in the House of Representatives. And uh, instead, he got a pass on that. By the way, that was probably Trump's biggest mistake was uh, saying about two days after the election that he could work with Paul Ryan as speaker. He should have said, I need a new speaker. I can't have somebody that's under, under, going to undercut me. And look what happened. Trump yeah. got undercut on building the wall. And he got undercut also on repealing Obamacare. Those two things. How far did that reach of the WF go into that decision? I don't know. But is it also true that Paul Ryan's a member of the um, a member of a Council on Foreign Relations? I believe I've seen that in the press. And and that, Sandy, is a common denominator that runs through uh, many of these people. In fact, the chairman of the board, David Rubenstein, is uh, is a member of the World Economic Forum, and he's the chairman of the board of the World Ec- of the Council on Foreign Relations. Larry Fink is a member of the board on the Council of Foreign Relations. And these, so this, I, I think we should do the research and pull together the list of all of the all the youth that uh, Klaus Schwab is so happy about, the young leaders of the World Economic Forum, um, and do a, do a case study of all the board members that are there and look at all the involvement that's taken place because I think there's a pervasive reach that goes into that if it affects our personal lives. It's controlling local government, it's controlling state government, and it's and I'm not saying it controls all of it. It has the influence where it wants to have. And that's not that's not a formula that gives us God-given liberty or freedom. That's what worries me the most about this, is that the direction where this planet is going, and there's, there's um, three competing forces right now. There's Western civilization that believes in God-given liberty, free enterprise. The, the Bill of Rights is essentially the pillars of American exceptionalism, all of those things. And that's what we fight to preserve, and it's the greatest civilization the world has ever seen. But if we should fail... Then, then the other two competing forces are this globalism coming out of Davos, which, as I said, it's a public-private partnership of the private sector, huge global multinational corporations, uh, 
running the government in a partnership. And the other competing force, and they're working together against us, is the Marxists and the communists in China, Russia, um, and in the in the forces that play there. There they are. I'll say the the globalists and the and the Marxists are operating in a, on parallel tracks against Western civilization. And if we should collapse or fail, and I can surely see plenty of signs of that, then you've got those two entities fighting over for who's going to run the world. You're going to have utopianists and totalitarianists, and, relig- and religious freedom and personal liberty will be gone. It'll be a thing of the past. And in fact, and we could end up in a, in a dark age as it goes on for centuries. So it's up to us. We have to man this. It's on our watch now, and we have to defend this country. We have to defend our liberty. We have to restore Western civilization and the first world. And uh, if we fail to do that, the personal liberties that is the vibrancy of humanity that's based on is going to be gone, too. They will not let us think the way we want to think. And if we can't do that and we can't speak, we can't innovate. And that means that we come to a screeching halt as far as innovation and creativity is concerned. We're already seeing that happen. And I, and I want to make something else clear that I didn't. And that is when they gamed out COVID, for one thing, they knew there was going to be mass unemployment. They also knew that businesses were going to be destroyed. That's fine with them because what they have in mind, and you mentioned this word, is what's called stakeholder capitalism. Uh, so other people call it capitalism with Chinese characteristics. But let's, BlackRock, Larry Fink, is big part of that. BlackRock uh, manages, as you already said. I think they even, don't they even manage like government pensions? Is BlackRock got those investments? Absolutely they do. And uh, we've had, I believe it was Florida, that made a move to pull a couple of billion dollars out of BlackRock because of their because um, of their involvement there. And, Excuse me, and, and they they are they are pushing. They may be the the world leaders in pushing ESG, um, the Environment, Social, and Governance requirements, and that's also out of the World Economic Forum. Um, a score sheet that you get if you're a company, you can look it up on the internet and find out what the ESG score is for the major companies in the world. And uh, you've got there's investment charts that will let you go in there as well. Gee, I want to support a company that's got a high ESG rating. I think the highest one I saw was about 76 out of a possible 100. And uh, and you, they want you to support them. They want to loan money through the lending institutions and give loaning pref- uh, interest preference to companies with high ESG scores. And you can get a high ESG score by using by diversity. If you have a uh, Enough of enough of those qualifications that attract uh, Joe Biden's appointments. I might say sarcastically, um, you can get a higher ESG score if you're better with the environment. If you use more green energy, if you use less energy altogether, you get a higher ESG score. So that and, and here's this this narrative that I, I think encapsulates it in a way. And about ten years ago. I was uh, sitting in Germany in, in a castle, and that's not really that rare over there, although it seems from here. And it was in a business meeting about formation and establishment of a new business they wanted to put together in Germany. And I don't remember what it was, or I guess I was there because I was doing a lot of things in there at that time as a member of Congress. But uh, at the table was, um, we actually had the German ambassador to the United States. He was there with us. And, and uh, then then also at the table was, the, the company that had capital, there was the bank, the lending institution, the labor unions were there, and a government representative was there. And I'm listening to the dialogue, and, and I'm finally asked the question, you're here to plan a new business. 
Why are you having this conversation with government? Why are they at the table? Why is labor at the table? If you don't have your capital lined up, you know, why, you know, why, is, why is the banker here? You should have that lined up and just sit down and plan your business. That's what we do in America. We get the money together and then figure it out. And they said, oh, no, we have to have all of these entities at the table. The lending institution is going to loan us money unless we make it sure that we satisfy labor and government. And so I said, I thought, I actually said in that room, the ghost of John Maynard Keynes lives in this castle. Uh, but it was worse than that. It was worse than me, me, John Maynard Keynes. It really was. It was a foundation for ESG and how you able, how, what you have to do to qualify to satisfy all of those entities that have been empowered to, to, let's say, shape business in the direction that, that the World Economic Forum wants. And let me just give people a practical example. Uh, we wonder why Bud Light uh, chose a transgender activist to be their spokesperson, and there's been such a blowback. We wondered why Target, in spite of the um, the boycott that American Family uh, Association did against them because they uh, chose to let, to allow uh, men in the women's restrooms and and women were and dressing rooms, men were actually photographing. There were lots of attacks, assaults in these dressing rooms and bathrooms, and they still didn't stop. And so when the pandemic came. Uh, Target was allowed to stay. They lost a lot in their market share when we did the boycott. But when the pandemic came and Target was chosen as one of the stores that could stay open, like Walmart, they made money hand over fist, Stephen. So that's because they had the uh, what equity, part of the social score, uh, the ESG. They, the reason these companies are doing this is because it's no longer about uh, making money for your stockholders. It's about... Uh, I don't even, I can't find the words. It's uh, about how you think and how you promote stuff that the World Economic Forum thinks is good for people. Am I, did I say that right? Well, I think so, Sandy, and, and I understand it's that way too. That, And, and I'm watching how, how these uh, corporate entities or individuals, for that matter, how they conform to this. I mean, um, here's a message that came out from the World Economic Forum, this phrase, build back better. And that already that resonates in everybody's ears today. Build Back Better came out of the lips of Joe Biden, uh, Justin Trudeau, um, Ruti, the um, president of the, of the Netherlands. Those three I can think of, but I'm sure it was a universal term. And they get together in Davos. All right, we're going to all go out and we're going to pitch. We're going to pitch Build Back Better, and then that goes that permeates the policy. Well, ESG permeates the policy. And um, I'm watching here, and maybe we can have some uh, talk about it sometime. I'm watching as this carbon index has filtered its way all the way down into my neighborhood. And now um, in, in my own Iowa congressional delegation, four Republicans, a year ago, they stood up and fought against the, um, uh, the AOC's Green New Deal that was all wrapped up in the Inflation Reduction Act. A year ago, they fought it. This year... The Iowa delegation rolled Kevin McCarthy and forced that money back into the budget that had been stripped out. That was the clean air carbon credits, the AOC's crosswired brain spark, I call it. Um, and so well, they did a 180. And that's what money will do, what influence will do. A complete 180 in a, not even a year's period of time. Uh, it is, and so what's real anymore? Who can you believe? Who's altruistic? You don't even know what that word is anymore. That's, I don't think our young people know. But, but who's operating on a, on a high merit that has 
has the right proportion of responsibility to God and country, um, the state and, and family. And that's, 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 I don't know who to believe anymore because I've seen so many people flip and, and then I've known the, the influence that brought that about. And it sure didn't, it, and their influence shouldn't have been enough to destroy a principle, but it surely has. Um, for example, I just sent a text off here uh, about a week ago to the, to the lead of the Iowa Renewable Fuels Organization, and they would be the recipients of a whole lot of these subsidies. And he had been bragging for years that there was no subsidy for ethanol. So I sent a text that said, say, can you, can you tell me is there, is there no subsidies for ethanol? And uh, he's ghosting me yet. Um, the Secretary of Agriculture here in the state answered me honestly, no, not now, but if this kicks in, yes. But, see, they've gone from being proud of no subsidies to now looking at tens of billions of dollars in subsidies coming in over the future years. These are the same people. And six months ago, they didn't have that position. Today, they're aggressive in defending it. Yeah, it's it's a frightening thing that's happening. And we haven't even gotten to the whole business of agriculture, the business of controlling farming, of, of buying up farmland, of taking on the Chinese model, all of that. I, I actually think we need to have a a further conversation about this, Steve. Uh, but this, uh, I, I would say, we're talking, about the, we're talking about the World Economic Forum. Uh, we're talking about the Great Reset. The only thing I would say in conclusion, and uh, Congressman, you and I both know this. I remember George Soros claimed he was God, but he is not God. And I want to remind all of you listening that no matter how powerful these men think they are, and in this world, and for this period of time, whatever the end of this may be, they may wield power but life is short, and uh, the span of power that they are going to exert, uh, will there, there will be justice. There will be justice because we do have a God. So uh, let them play how they want. We'll fight back and see if we can win over them, but it is not going to be a happy ending for them, no matter what we think. All the more reason to plug in to the God who is the creator of all things, who is all-powerful. Congressman Steve King, thank you. I want to remind you that his book is Walking Through the Fire, Go to steveking.com, steveking.com. It's a great book. He's a great writer. So I highly recommend that book, Walking Through the Fire. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. All my pleasure, Sandy. Let's do this again. I appreciate you so much and the message you send. I appreciate your prayers. They are just eloquently beautiful. Thank you for that. All right, well, Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Well, that was uh, interesting, exhausting. And we didn't even, uh, Congressman King and I didn't even scratch the surface of what the World Economic Forum is doing. In fact, I hope to talk to Congressman King again. We'll talk about all the farm issues, the, the land grab and all of that, which we didn't even have time to get to. So, uh, we'll let you know we're going to ha- when we're going to have that discussion. But meanwhile, we thank Preborn for being our sponsor. For just twenty-eight dollars, you can sponsor a life-changing ultrasound and write a brand new story for a new mom who decides to save her baby. Donations of any size go towards saving babies and caring for their mothers, and all contributions are tax deductible. Just dial pound two fifty and say the keyword "baby." That's pound two fifty. Baby, or visit preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Your love has the power to save a life. 
All right, Bruce, that was quite the discussion. And there's been some more news since this happened. I think uh, one thing I saw is in Coca-Cola is refusing to play with the ESG games. In fact, they, they've decided to, uh, in spite of the warnings to them by the powers that be, they're not going to stop adver- or advertising or doing business in states that uh, don't allow abortion or have abortion, abortion restrictions. Is, is that the story, right? That is, well, it's the shareholders voted uni- uh, uh, overwhelmingly, like 87% of them said, we don't want you trying to selectively sell our products only to states that don't have uh, anti-abortion uh, or abortion uh, that allow rebor- abortion yeah. and don't restrict it. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this several times that these boards, I, I cannot understand how they are getting away with um, investing in these um, plans just because they're uh, you know, the the correct social policy. Well, that's because that, that's the ESG movement. It's the World Economic Forum, which we just talked about with Steve. That's the reason. And so things are happening behind the scenes that uh, they don't make sense. Uh, they don't make sense in front of the scenes, in the scenes. Uh, but behind the scenes, they're pulling those strings. There's another interesting story there, right? Yeah, uh, there's something being um, posited forth in Europe that should really concern all of us. It's what they call... 15-minute cities. You go, what, what is a 15-minute city? What it means is they're trying to get people to move into places where all your amenities, the drugstore, the butcher shop, your health club, your barber, whomever you need as a service is within a 15-minute walk of you. Not a drive, a walk. So think about that. And especially if you're an older person and you don't walk very fast, <laughs> a 15-minute walk... Um, think of the control that the, that would be exerted on you because uh, you wouldn't be allowed to go any further than what you can where you can get in fifteen minutes, and so things like vacations. Uh, say you want to work. Uh, or your favorite restaurant. Else, restaurant. Yeah. Uh, sorry, if you can't walk there in fifteen minutes, you cannot go there, and um, the only exceptions would be maybe two to three times a year you would be given a pass so that you could some, you know, go somewhere other than within that 15-minute walking area. And some, aren't some wealthy families able to pay a fee so that they can, they can actually go it's if all, they just pay, they have the right thinking? It's just like communism where yeah. everyone's the same except they aren't. Yeah. The people that are in charge can buy basically get-out-of-jail passes and are allowed to go anywhere they want for any amount of time they want. But you and I, if we were our, our normal citizens in the 15-minute city, we cannot do that. You know, it's interesting. Just one last comment here. Uh, Europe is really on a fast track through the European Union of implementing a lot of these World Economic Forum policies. Yay for them. And, of course, it's all it's communist Chinese social credit score slash capitalism. Uh, it's capitalism for the rich and for a few corporations, but no business at all, poverty for the rest of them and for the rest of us. It's really so inequitable. And I find it stunning that Justin Trudeau, who was one of the World Economic Forum's young leaders, was talking just, what, six months ago about how he admired the Chinese for the control they could exert over their people. This is where they're headed. Uh, this is where we're going, and this is why we have to stop it, and that's why God bless the shareholders of Coca-Cola for fighting back. So, all right, well, listen, that wraps it up for today. I re- really appreciate you listening. I want to mention one more thing. I don't usually do this, but 
I want to mention one more time, Sea King's book is great. Uh, you will enjoy reading that, even if it's something that happened a few years ago, because there's a lot of information in that book that is relevant to what's happening right now. So if you go to steveking.com, steveking.com, you can order his book, which is Walking Through the Fire. All right, I hope you've enjoyed. Enjoyed? Mm-hmm. I hope you've learned. I hope you've benefited. I hope you've learned more about how to fight back on this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.